This is Your Working Life, a podcast show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach. And on today's show, I welcome Roberta Matchison to the show. And we've known each other for a while, Roberta. And I'm delighted that you're going to be sharing your expertise about how to get your life back from the revolving door of organizations, because you are an expert about how to maximize, attract, and retain talent. Roberta, welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So let's talk a bit. I have been following you for such a long time. You've always been a great resource in my career and also for my clients. But let's go back and talk about some common mistakes that you see managers making that are creating negative working environments for their employees because it's all about employee engagement now, right? Well, actually, I think it's more about talent magnetism. Okay. And I say that because if you look at the statistics, I mean, for years we've been, you know, we've been working on this employee engagement initiative, and yet we have hardly moved the needle. (laughs) Well, point well taken. You're absolutely right. So we need to have a mental shift. Exactly. And and when you when I talk about talent magnetism, that really ties into the magnetic leader, because if you are the kind of leader that is able to attract top talent towards you, these are the people who are going to stick around and they'll stay with you and they'll follow you throughout your career. And I love the magnetic analogy because that really talks about retention. Attracting them is one thing, but keeping them is another. So help us understand some of the mistakes. We've got millions of leaders listening around the globe, and they need to know what to stop doing in order to learn what to start doing. Well, first of all, they have to stop treating everyone as equal because equal is never fair. And, And so when I say that, when you're, you know, looking at your staff, You probably have some people on the team that are doing the lion's share of work. And so when one of those people um, comes to you and says, you know, hey, I need a little bit of flexibility here, taking out the, you know, company line and saying, well, I'm sorry, that's not our policy, isn't exactly what I would call fair. And that employee isn't going to see it as fair either. So, you know, trying to look at your people as individuals rather than just, you know, a group of people on your team will really help you make better decisions. You know, that's so important because I think uh, it it matters. You know, talent compares their flexibility, their salary with each other. And I believe we need to reward and recognize those that are doing extraordinary work. Absolutely. And let me tell you, you hit the nail on the head. They all know how much the, the other person makes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. You know, Roberta, I read in the book, you talk about getting your life back from the revolving door of organizations because employees are, are leaving in droves. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about solutions there. And, and also, why, why are they leaving? Well, first of all, I think you have to be really careful who you invite in, because if you're not hiring the right people, then you are going to have a revolving door. And, you know, then when you bring the people in, you have to make sure you're not doing what I call, you know, a bait and switch where you're describing this awesome opportunity that quite frankly is uh, probably nothing that dissimilar than just working in a call center all day. So you have to be really honest and transparent when you're trying to bring people in and you should share all the great things as well as some of the not so great things. And do you think managers are, are taking this seriously enough? Absolutely not. 
Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and and how, how do we even begin to move that needle? Well, you know, I always start by saying, you know, to my clients, look, it's got to be about somebody's self-interest. So if I'm a leader, my self-interest is making my life easy. And the last thing that I want to do is being is interviewing people all day. And the last thing I want to do is having difficult conversations regarding poor performance. So if you take a little bit more time up front and you do the hiring well, a lot of these issues are going to make your life easier. So don't look at hiring as this task that you have to do. You know, look at it as an opportunity to really build a powerful team that's going to propel your career forward. And I love that because you're giving Onus an opportunity to the manager, to the leader as well, to say this is this is helping you be, be a great coach and leader. So let's talk. You are an extraordinary executive coach. You're a speaker and an author, and you've got clients all over the planet. What are the challenges for you as a coach in this situation when you're helping those leaders critically look at their behavior? Well, getting them to really understand that it's not their intentions that matter. It's their behavior. Mm -hmm. So they may not intend to be dismissive, but if you look at their behavior and everything they're doing, you know, they're being dismissive to their employees. And so it's really about, and, and that's why, you know, you brought up working as a coach it's really hard to recognize what may be going on when you don't have somebody else kind of guiding you or taking a look at like what's going on behind you. And that's where when you have an executive coach um, or a great manager, that can be very, very helpful. I'm seeing a wonderful shift in the philosophy of, of leadership and, and happily we're shifting from that command and control leadership to coaching and developmental leadership. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm seeing that shift as well, although I think there still are some leaders that are hanging on to the command and control. And quite frankly, you know, we're seeing that, you know, there's mutiny on the bounty. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know, people are tossing those people off the ship or they're, or they're jumping off the ship themselves. And it's like, you know what, life's too short. They don't have to put up with that anymore. And there are so many job opportunities out there that it's just crazy. Yeah, people have choices. They really do. And they have, they have a lot of options. Roberta, I'd love for you to walk me through a time when you saw a leader transform in an organization, because those specific stories are really powerful and will help our audience understand the magnetic leader and, and how it can really be transformative. Well, that's a really great question. Um, the first person that comes to mind is a gentleman by the name of Rob Nixon, who I write about in the book, The Magnetic Leader. And early on in Rob's career, he's owned a number of companies. And in his company, he had 25 employees. And he's Australian. So as he puts it, he had 25 employees and something like, you know, 45 churns, meaning People were just revolving in and out of his office and out of his company. And he actually one day went on a walkabout and he stepped aside and he realized that, oh my goodness, I'm the problem. Mm. And so he vowed to do things differently and he's come back and he's built this incredible company that he's preparing for a public offering right now. But it was a huge shift for him. That's exciting. Really, really. 
you know, I love this phrase. You talk about this in the book. Of course, the title of the book is The Magnetic Leader, How Irresistible Leaders Attract Employees, Customers, and Profits. You also talk about Teflon leaders. So tell us the difference and why the Teflon leaders are really dangerous to the workplace. Well, you know, back in my day, we had Teflon pot, you know, pots and pans. Sure. You know, it was the latest thing, and who knew it was toxic, right? (laughs) Although we're still here. Right, Um, right. And so, you know, when I look at these leaders, they're toxic, and nothing sticks to them because, you know, they're, they're like Teflon. And so my recommendation to my clients as well as to my readers is you really have to get rid of them. You have to clean out your pantry, get rid of your toxic um, you know, pots and pans, including your, your Teflon leaders, because they are doing a tremendous amount of damage so to your health. I'm with you. I'm with you. They're toxic. And as you and I both know, it's not easy to fire someone, let alone a leader. So what advice do you have for making firing more palatable or to go more smoothly or at least be least, less painful? Excuse me. Well, I would say, you know, you don't have to fire these people. You can get these people to leave on their own. Ah, okay. So that would be my approach, and I would make it simply irresistible. I would make them an offer they couldn't refuse. (laughs) Can you give an example, though? How do we do that? Sure. You know, I'd say, listen, Bob, you know, we have some choices here. Um, We could do it the hard way, and we can go through the process of, you know, going through the three-step program. And in the end, you're probably going to have to go home and tell your partner that, you no longer have a job, or, you know, if you want to take the next six weeks and start to look for another opportunity after handing me your letter of resignation, you know, I'll be happy to, you know, do what I can to help you. Um, You know, if I can, I won't contest your unemployment if that's possible. And uh, we can have a smooth transition. I'll kind of leave that up to you. Beautiful reframe, spoken like the extraordinary executive coach that you are. That was fantastic. Thank you for that. So, Roberta, circling back, we talked briefly in the beginning about employee engagement and and how they're really antiquated. It's it's a mindset that leads to failure. So why do office perks and employee engagement fall short, and and how can we make that shift for magnetism and, and something that is more lasting and more meaningful to talent? Well, I'll tell you, I have written a number of articles for Forbes, Fast Company, you name it. And one of, the, one of the themes that I continue to talk about is that all the free beer in the world is not going to make your employees delusional enough to think that what's happening when they're in a situation where they're uh, being led by a leader who isn't a good leader um, is an okay situation. And so you really, instead of providing people with, you know, free lunches, or free snacks that are making everyone fat, I mean, take those resources and put them into the development of your leaders, whether you hire me or you or someone else as an executive coach, whether you support their efforts to attend workshops on leadership, buying the the book, you know, that you think might be helpful. I mean, anything, but like enough with the food already. Yeah, I'm with you. And and Google started it and it's been perpetuated with so many other organizations. And now we've got health issues, right? Health and wellness issues on the other side. So I'm with you. Enough with the food. You know, it's an interesting time because the talent wars are back and and companies are fighting for top talent. So tell me from, from where you sit, what are some strategies to finding talent and frankly, beating the competitors to the punch? 
Well, you know, what I'm finding and what I tell my clients is, you know, you have to really, it's sort of like what I call the Disneyland approach to recruiting. Um, when you go to Disney, everybody comes into the, or any theme park for that matter, you go through the turnstile and you go to the right, right? And mm -hmm. there's long lines and there's rides, food, attractions, you know, you name it. But there's tons of people there. But if you went in and you turn left, You'd see the same kind of rides, the same kind of attractions, but the lines are much shorter. So I recommend to my clients that you look at like the people that are underemployed. Yeah. Um, look at the mature worker who doesn't have you know ten people calling them every day saying come work for me. Look at uh, parents who want to come back to work part time. I mean, there's so many things that you can do, but just stop following the crowd. That's great wisdom. And, and as you and I know, the, uh, the depth and breadth of the knowledge and experience of the mature worker is extraordinary and untapped, quite frankly. So that is great, great advice. So Roberta, as we wrap up, give us one action step for this global listening audience about how they can think more magnetically, how they can really take one baby step, certainly by reading the book, to becoming a magnetic leader. Well, I think you have to be really willing to look inside yourself. And, you know, in the book, I list uh, seven traits of magnetic leaders. And, you know, three of them are authenticity. I talk about uh, transparency and strong communication skills. So, you know, take a look at yourself and ask yourself, you know, how do I rate? And I do have an assessment in the book as well. So how do I rate myself? And what are one or two things that I can do to move myself forward? instead of trying to do 10 things that will get me nowhere. Brilliant advice, brilliant advice. Well, I'm holding your gorgeous book in my hand. It's called The Magnetic Leader, How Irresistible Leaders Attract Employees, Customers, and Profits. And we know it's widely available, certainly on Amazon. Roberta, thank you for joining me on the show. Always good to hear from you, and I wish you continued success. Thank you. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review. And let us know what career-related questions you have that we can address on the show. Tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>